The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guests' own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of AIHA. AIHA does not endorse any guest or the entity that they represent. On this episode of Healthier Workplaces, Navigating Workplace Risks, The Art of Accurate Exposure Judgment. Welcome to another episode of Healthier Workplaces. I'm Bob Krell, founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Media and your host for this program from AIHA. Stay with us. Here's our consultant, Sarah. She's always looking for ways to grow her network and increase her business, but advertising is expensive. There are lots of competitors, and sometimes she has trouble finding the right audience. Luckily for Sarah, the American Industrial Hygiene Association, AIHA, offers the perfect low-cost solution, the AIHA Consultants Listing. This listing is the perfect resource for consumers and businesses, and especially for those in need of highly specialized and qualified industrial hygienists. Every year, AIHA sends the consultants listing to thousands of decision makers nationwide in a variety of industries, including legal, real estate, trade associations, academics, hospitals, and all levels of government, including most federal agencies. It's also readily available online through their website. Sarah had no idea the consultants listing was such a valuable low-cost resource. Now she knows getting into the directory makes perfect sense to better her business. It didn't take long before Sarah found her network expanding and she was even pulling ahead of her competitors. The AIHA Consultants Listing, your link to building a larger network. Welcome to the Healthier Workplaces show. Um, today's topic is uh, exposure assessments in the workplace. I'm happy to be joined by Stephen Yan and Billy Bullock. Uh, Steve's going to take the the lead on this, but tell us tell us a little bit about uh, you know uh, your involvement in this uh, in this uh, aspect of. Happy to do it, Bob. Um, so I have been a, a certified industrial hygienist going on almost 39 years, and um, my journey started about 15 years ago. And I went to the American Industrial Hygiene Association and said, I need some help on framing an exposure assessment program. And uh, that started a journey of me participating in officer rotations, development of professional development course content, delivery of that content. Um, And now I am part of an improving exposure judgments advisory group that AIHA has uh, commissioned to help improve the manner of delivery of an exposure assessment program into the workplace. And that's where I met Billy. Billy and I co-edited the current edition of the um, AIHA publication titled A Strategy for Assessing and Managing Occupational Exposures. And so um, Billy has implemented it. And we thought uh, as part of the Improving Exposure Judgment Group that this type of interview format would be helpful to get other people primed on how they might take the same kind of journey and be successful in uh, implementing a program. Excellent. Billy, tell us about yourself. Well, similar to Steve, I've, I've got uh, 38 years in uh, experience. I'm a certified industrial hygienist and certified safety professional. <clears throat> I've worked in pulp and paper and allied chemicals uh, for about 18 years. And Followed that up with uh, 15 years with uh, freight railroad. Um, 
also have uh, or hold several adjunct appointments, uh, one at Tulane University and the other at University of West Florida, where I teach uh, graduate courses in uh, principles of industrial hygiene and uh, environmental toxicology. Uh, I started with the AHA Exposure Assessment Strategies Committee in way back in, in 1999. And as Steve mentioned, we've worked on a number of PDCs together and then the uh, the AHA publication, the fourth edition. Bob, thanks for uh, for the opportunity for the introduction. So, Billy, you and I are going to have a chat in trying to lay out for people how they might um, launch a good exposure assessment. And, and as you're well aware, that comes with the performance of a professional making a judgment. So let's start there. What What is an exposure judgment and why is it important to the context of workplace safety? Well, Steve, I think exposure judgment is, you know, at the core of what IHOHS professionals do. It's an estimate, estimation of potential risks for workers uh, exposure to different environmental agents. Um, you know, as an example, the potential uh, risk is either acceptable, unacceptable, or uncertain. And it's very important because workers are exposed to environmental agents on a daily basis, and we cannot use you know, traditional industrial hygiene methods for workplace exposure assessments going out and collecting samples, you know, for each of these environmental agents. And we have to rely on our knowledge, skills, and training <coughs> to make these judgments for both, you know, workers and, and community citizens uh, that are exposed on a daily basis. Very good. So, um, how does an accurate exposure judgment contribute to the overall well-being of workers and the effectiveness of safety measures? All right. Repeat that for me. Let's, That's let's all right. Start over. That was a long question. It, it is. How does accurate exposure judgment contribute to the overall well-being of workers and the effectiveness of implementing a control program? Well, it's critical uh, to make accurate exposure adjustment uh, judgments because our workers rely on us to protect them, uh, protect their health and their well-being. Uh, we also need to ensure that we're making correct decisions about uh, the controls that we put in place. Uh, so we are, our exposure judgment is is a key there. Have you got any uh, any examples, Billy, in your career? where you know that exposure judgments weren't done well and the consequences they brought to the health of the individual, to um, the company and the program and its standing with the workforce? Well, I, I can think of a few examples. Uh, you know, workers throughout time, as they're, as they're exposed, you know, they, they have a perception of, you know, whether uh, their, their exposure is heavy or, or not heavy. But, uh, you know, I've seen uh, professionals come in and, and you know, get real alarmed about a potential exposure that, that, that really might not be much to do about anything. And, right. you know, the, the professional can lose credibility there. And, and similarly, if a professional goes in and, and they, you know, they're, they're, um, professional judgment may be biased uh, low and the workers, you know, think their exposure potential is higher, uh, then 
uh, it, you, you know, to me, it's all about credibility. Same thing with management. Uh, you know, as, as we go out and we're doing assessments and we're determining what uh, we need to go back and collect further information on doing more traditional monitoring with, you know, directory and instruments or, or laboratory samples. Uh, you know, what, what we select as the IH OEHS professional based on our judgment is is a key and if if we make poor judgments and we spend a lot of money that you know the company's allocating uh you know unwisely then management uh, can uh, you know be upset or or you know take exception to how we performed uh and so it's a two-way street you know Absolutely. we really need to be uh, good at, at what we're doing good at, at uh, assessing uh, um, initial assessment where we're using our professional judgment to determine whether it's acceptable or unacceptable exposure uh, for both uh, worker credibility and management credibility. Right. And I, I would, I'd reinforce that just from my own experience. I had the same, I've had the same kind of responses. Um, I think under protecting our workforce is as bad as over protecting them. And either way, you're probably committing resources that management would would want applied elsewhere. And I think that's a critical nature of why we want to see the performance of, of our profession improve in the accuracy of judgments. Um, so let me move on to, to another question here on the list. Um, you know, the difficulty we have as hygienists is that we often we're overwhelmed with the things that our management wants us to be engaged in. You know, they're, they want us to look at new chemical purchases. They want us to investigate air quality issues. Um, how did you find success in your career in putting, integrating the need for a quality of effort in the exposure assessment judgments program um, to get the right balance. How, how were you able to go and make the case to management? We need to do this well. Was it was it framed against the wasting of resources by overprotecting or the litigation that may come through underprotecting or both? Well, <clears throat> Steve, you mentioned that to start with, um, you know, the new chemical approval process. And, and that's where I started years ago and, and had a fair amount of a success was integrating uh, exposure assessment into the, the new chemical review process. And I think because of both, you know, OSHA regulations and EPA regulations, you know, companies under, understand that they can't just bring a chemical in without doing some sort of review. And the, the companies I work for had a had a pretty robust uh, process where they looked at the chemical, they sent the safety data sheet, the requester had to you know, list how they were going to use the chemical, what it was going to be used for, uh, you know, what the quantity was. And, and I looked at that process and said, hey, you know, we can include a lot of the company's questions that we use on our qualitative exposure assessment process, where we looked at uh, you know, how, how the material was going to be used, use time, use frequency, duration, the quantity of materials. And when we built, built that in, whoever in, in the production department that was requesting the chemical would, would 
fill that out. So then when it came to the ICE department uh, to look at it, we had basically the, um, you know, the, the determinants of exposure that we asked our field industrial hygienists to collect when they go out and observe a task to do a qualitative assessment, we were kept, we were getting that up front. Uh, what that did for for me and, and the department was we got more people in, in the company understanding the importance of exposure assessment. And we had been doing our qualitative exposure assessment probably for five or 10 years separate from the new chemical review process. But when we integrated it, they they got a better understanding of what we were doing, why we were doing it, why we're asking these questions, and how those, you know, what we call determinants of exposure, you know, affect potential risk. And sometimes, you know, I had uh, the, the production superintendent or maybe it was a chemical engineer that was, you know, changing a process or adding a new raw material, uh, you know, come to me after they looked at the safety data sheet and, and was, you know, uh, putting in the information in this uh, approval form that was exposure related and say, hey, you know, I, I don't know if this is the best material to be bringing in because, you know, I see it's got silica in it or, you know, chemical X in it. And, you know, is that going to be a problem? So I had I had them coming to me and, and, and the, the IH team uh, where previously they just it, it didn't even think about those uh, elements. And, you know, then it got, gave me the opportunity to, to share with them, you know, what exposure assessment was and how we utilize it to, uh, you know, evaluate potential risk and then select appropriate controls for the workplace. I had similar experience um, here at, at my installation where um, we were, when I first got there, we were catching a tail end of a decision train that was coming down the tracks. There'd been investment in specifying a product or engineering a system. And when it got to us, you know, our eyes got big and it was, why are you introducing this carcinogen? So we would... Um, we were trying to emulate the same thing you had success with, and we did it pretty well um, and ultimately moved our exposure assessment needs for initial data into our chemical request program, just the same experience. So um, as far as, I don't know, it sounds like there was a lot of push on your part before the pull came from those people you engaged who years later said, now I have an appreciation why I shouldn't buy X product or introduce this kind of hazard. Um, are there any other tools or methods you can share with our audience on how you successfully promoted the utility of exposure judgments and the importance of them being made well? Uh, yeah, so, you know, I think that was the, the first kind of introduction to, to a larger audience of, uh, you know, company officials in, to go broader than that, you know, now that, that we have, you know, applications that can go on, you know, tablets and, uh, you know, smartphones and that kind of stuff is, you know, we, we were able to kind of expand that and, and engage the workers, the line workers in, in doing some uh, exposure assessments. Uh, we first started in, in the ergonomic side of the house. So we had a little application that was built so somebody could do a self-evaluation of, 
you know, workstation and, and come up with a potential risk factor. Uh, and, and now, you know, that's been expanded, I think, into a number of areas. Uh, you know, fortunately, you know, some of the good stuff from, from NIOSH uh, programs like uh, ladder safety risk, uh, you know, the, 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 the application for ladders and, and heat stress. Uh, and the, the, the railroad that, that I work for uh, used a big um, nationally known um, health and safety software uh, program that really is, is going to be uh, expanding that capability much more uh, we have a lot of field workers, especially on our maintenance uh, of Wayside, the, the group that uh, you know, goes out, maintains the track infrastructure. Uh, they're like construction or they are construction workers and, and they're, you know, their workplace changes daily, depending on, you know, what mile of track out of 23,000 miles of track that they're working on. And uh, we've got a risk assessment uh, tool that is, uh, I think it probably maybe five or six years now it has been uh, implemented and it includes, you know, traditional safety risk, uh, slip trips and fall hazards, uh, you know, digging, uh, fall protection, but we will be adding, and I see even, you know, as we go in the future, more elements on the occupational health side uh, based on visible emissions, like is are the dust control systems working on the track equipment? Uh, you know, noise. You know, are are we protecting ourselves from noise? How close we are to running equipment and and that kind of stuff. So, I, I really think the the expansion of what you know started as simple uh, risk factors being captured on a a new chemical approval sheet to a broader base, including in some of these applications where workers can do a self uh, risk assessment of a situation, you know, as part of their uh, pre-safety uh, checklist. Very good. Billy, you're well aware, um, but, but again, for our audience, the, um, when we came up as younger hygienists, we we made decisions because there was an expectation we were the experts and that came through schooling degree and certification to a certain extent but you're aware as i am that it's been noted that the accuracy of our judgments in the past is often poor or biased low um can you speak to some of the factors uh and i know you're aware of these by way of pdc delivery and other things but what are some of the factors that lead professionals to make non-conservative, potentially not sufficiently protective decisions with respect to exposures? Uh, yes, Steve. Uh, you know, I think some of the factors uh, that, that are prominent are, you know, the level of education. I think experience is, is critical. You know, how much we've been out in a particular uh, industry or particular workplace and, and done assessments. Uh, I've seen, you know, probably, I, I know the, the research that was done and, and the data that we're working off here at AHA, you know, shows that a lot of the, the exposure uh, judgments are biased low. Um, I, 
I think it depends on a person's, you know, training and, and background. I've seen quite a few uh, professionals uh, that, that exposure assessments biased high. They, you know, I think it's based on, you know, like I said, very conservative. You know, we, a, a lot of us, and, and again, coming on from our background, you know, were we in an industry or, or have we gone out where exposures were, were very obvious and very high, or are we typically going out to, you know, well-established workplace that, you know, has good housekeeping program. And that can, I think, kind of mask or hide some of, you know, the, the, the potential exposures. But I think that, you know, the real key to making a good exposure is, is calibrating ourselves and i know early on when i was teaching the pdcs here at aha i would you know talk about my work in the paper industry going into like a a, a, cor a corrugated uh, box plant you know with uh, equipment running at you know 600 feet per minute and you know very loud but i within probably six to eight months of my um, being employed in, in the paper industry, going out doing sound level surveys, you know, I calibrated my ears. I could, I could, you know, get within one or two decibels, you know, just on, on gut instinct, right? I mean, I, that that's a calibration. And I think right. that is, is the what we're seeing is, is a key in all the good work that, uh, you know, the, the AHA committee and, and people like Perry Logan and uh, John Mulhausen, Ram Ramachandran, Susan Arnold, you know, I can't name everybody, but, you know, the, the calibrating our professional judgment by the, by the same way. I mean, when I was out in, in the shops and I had the sound level meter in my hand and, and I'm looking at the number, you know, I'm calibrating myself. So how do we do that for other things, other environmental agents and using uh, scenarios where we know what the monitoring results are. We've gone out, we've collected, you know, hard data and sharing that data with, with our in-house team of industrial hygienists in, in a way where providing the, uh, like a video of, of the task and, and asking the group to uh, rank the exposure using the AHA exposure categories, you know, based on their professional judgment, you know, where do you think uh, the, the uh, 95th percentile point estimate falls and then giving them a little data and then you see the data and you look at the statistics around that data and statistics are, are super powerful. I mean, it, most of us don't have the luxury and, and didn't uh, back when you and I started, I haven't a lot of, of data. And I think that's, you know, having the data and, and you've got maybe two, three, four, five samples, you know, small data sets and you look at the statistical analysis of it and you apply a Bayesian statistics, which is, uh, you know, probabilistic statistics, you know, looking at the likelihood of where the true 95th percentile point estimate falls is, is where we'll learn a lot. And, and that will uh, help us make better judgments because we're calibrating our professional judgment. And, and whether we've got heuristics that 
uh, you know, cause us to underestimate or overestimate. And I, I know the data shows that most most of us are underestimating uh, exposures uh, based on you know statistical analysis of the data. That's how we uh, will will improve our judgment. But you know, I think that you asked me, and maybe I answered it, but maybe I didn't. This kind of a long answer. But you know, some of the, the, the things that go in, I think, to uh, our professional judgment that we either can do uh, good at or bad at, or, or based on our one, our knowledge. You know, do we do we know and understand that particular workplace? Have we gone out and observed the tasks being performed? Uh, that that gets to to our you know training as well in in a particular uh, industry and and that i think we if if we've spent time in a workplace and we've collected samples in that workplace we've analyzed them we will be pretty good at at making judgments in that particular industry but then that taking that to a completely different setting uh is is going to set establish some bias you know was was that previous work site uh you know did they have low exposures and we had monitoring data and this one we're not so sure about we've got to have a way to calibrate our, ourself and to improve the judgments there and it's all about looking at the the process if they have some data taking that data doing some statistical analysis around it to really allow us to look at the exposure profile, look at the central tendency of that profile and the, the upper and lower tail, uh, you know, as compared to a published safe level. And that's how we become better at what we do. I appreciate that, that answer, um, Billy. So in, in recapping, if we know that there are some reasons that prevent us from accurate judgments. And you mentioned our biases from our experience. You know, if you've been to one dip tank operation and through your career, you've seen hundreds of them, odds are pretty good, much like your calibrated ear in the paper mill, you, you, that experience helps you. And as long as the same context is what you witness in the next place you go to, your judgment's probably okay. Um, the, the other thing, of course, is that we don't we're not good in logarithmic thinking. We, we want to be um, linear thinkers. And so we we have a real tough time looking at upper tolerance tests, upper tails of distributions um, and recognizing that. So I want to pivot to, OK, if we recognize our problem and our frailties, what kind of things do we need to do to get support? from the stakeholders that hold our resources and whom we're trying to protect, what kind of things should we be doing um, as good strategic approaches to our management team on the importance of improving our exposure judgments? Well, I think the key is de demonstrating value. So, you know, we've explained, we've spent a lot of time explaining, selling ourselves, selling the profession to to our management and, and explaining to workers that, you know, we're here to, you know, protect their health, uh, improve work conditions, and, you know, hopefully uh, leave them in a way where they have, you know, a, a good quality of life and retirement. Uh, 
And, you know, we all have to submit budgets, right, to, to get the, the resources we need to do our job. And I think, in, in my view, uh, you know, implementing the, the tools like the statistical tools, and, and a lot of them now are, are, you know, freely available on, on AAJ website. NIOSH has got uh, models, mathematical models, and uh, so does EPA. But I think that, you know, we can demonstrate that we, that we can improve our judgment you know, by implementing the, these tools and, and some of them are at no cost. But I think, you know, there's there's a little bit of danger in, uh, you know, going to management who, you know, I think we've said this in the PDCs, you know, that we, our, our managements, you know, most of them, you know, don't really understand what we do, why we do it. They just know they need one of us, right. uh, you know, to, to help, you uh, improve working conditions, make sure that they're meeting the standard of care, you know, that, the, that we're providing a reasonably safe place for our employees to work. Uh, you know, some of it, I think you might have said, you know, some some legal liability. They know they, they need us for legal liability. Uh, but, you know, if, if we go, you know, talking about, well, we don't make good judgments, you know, they, they're paying us to make these judgments. Right. Uh, and say we need these tools to, you know, help us improve our judgments. Uh, you know, I think we have to do it the right way. And uh, I, th I think the, you know, the right way is, you know, we're, we're making all of these judgments and, and we, you know, our workers are exposed to chemicals every day. You know, maybe, you know, depending on the type of workplace, hundreds, maybe thousands of different chemicals. And, and we can't go out and, and monitor every employee every day for every chemical right now. You know, technology is advancing uh, rapidly, and and someday, and it may not be too far off, uh, we we might be able to do that. But we just don't have the luxury of of monitoring every worker and every in, environmental agent. And the way to do that, I mean, we still have to make and are making, you know, whether we're consciously thinking about it or not, an exposure judgment every time we look at everything the worker does and and all those hundreds of chemicals we're making uh, an exposure judgment with with zero samples uh, collected and the, the way to improve that you know from our qualitative assessment is to collect some samples on you know percentage of the chemicals but now we've got uh, you know some really nice mathematical modeling tools that are easy to use we can use we can run uh, a model to uh, help us improve our judgment or, or to validate, you know, if we write, if we rank something as, as uh, have been an acceptable exposure and we haven't collected any samples, we can now go and, and use some of these tools that are available through AHA and see what, what the exposure profile looks like when we run the numbers uh, without going out and collecting some samples. And, and that, again, is a way uh, to help calibrate uh, and approve our judgment. But I think the, the, the way that we pitch it to management and, you know, I've, I've spent probably now 20 years on doing qualitative exposure jet, uh, assessments qualitative uh, exposure assessments in the workplace and initially 
uh, you know, it was a pretty big lift. It, you know, it was labor intensive, re required a lot of work, and we had to, uh, you know, really convince our, our companies, you know, to, to allow us to put that effort in. But it was getting closer to that comprehensive uh, exposure assessment that, that we all want to achieve as opposed to, you know, going out and picking, you know, five or six things in this work area that we think have the highest potential exposure and then going out and monitoring uh, and, and if now that we have these tools that will help us also improve our, our professional judgment, like the mathematical, uh, you know, doing some statistical analysis on a small data set, doing some uh, modeling where the, there is no data or maybe very little data uh, is improving uh, our, our overall uh, industrial hygiene program uh, and at the same time, helping us in uh, helping us with our, our professional judgment. So we're getting um, some some benefit there uh, personally, but we're also doing it in in a way that is not it's not only really costing the company more, but it it provides some validation. And I think that's a, that's a good word, a validation to the previous work we did from a qualitative standpoint, as well as our uh, exposure judgments that we made on, you know, the, the vast majority of the, the process has acceptable exposure. And, you know, we've got these five chemicals or five environmental agents that we, we're gonna go out and collect additional data on. Uh, you know, did we pick the right five? And, and what about the, you know, the, the hundreds of other ones that, that weren't selected? Uh, all this is, is a way, I think, to uh, both, uh, you know, demonstrate to man, management and the workforce, that, you know, we're doing a more uh, scientifically valid approach to our, our exposure assessment and, and we're validating our exposure judgment by using these statistical tools and mathematical models. And the end result is, uh, you know, the accuracy of our uh, program is enhanced and we feel strongly that we're selecting uh, the, the right uh, environmental agents uh, to control and that we've gone out and, and validated that those controls are actually achieving the level of uh, exposure reduction that, that they're designed to. Very good. So... One of the things that that I heard you just step through in the response was the fact that early on you recognized there was a finite amount of resource to deploy for an infinite need. So many people wanting your time, so many different places you could start. What I didn't hear you mention so far is is training. And I want you to spend a minute, if you would, Billy. The, the nature of knowing that those early judgments qualitatively, it only comes after so much time and so much experience in your career and 20 years with your company when you're now afforded, maybe we've collected sufficient sets of data. So if you were a new person who is coming and maybe you don't have the luxury of a corporate enterprise behind you that's got, you know, they're asking you for a million dollar budget what are some of the things these tools you know when when um when you hand someone a hammer everything looks like a nail and you don't want that to be the impression for the variety of tools that aiha has assembled at our apps and tools web link um speak 
for a minute about the manner of pursuing training and calibration. I think you use the term validation in in the tool so that you know that you're making good judgments. Is that something that you've got experience with before you left the railroad that you could speak to? And otherwise, I know that you have some some history with the delivery of education sessions and PDCs. Yeah, Steve, I think, you know, training is, is very important. And, uh, you know, when, when I was a part of implementing that first qualitative exposure assessment process, you know, we learned that even if you have, you know, well-developed form and process and, and you put that out to, you know, um, Varying field industrial hygienists that, you know, uh, fresh out of school up to even experienced uh, the, the variation in, in the data coming back can can be pretty high. And, and I think it all comes down to training. So we recognized the importance of uh, training early on. And that's really what uh, led me to to seek out the AHA Exposure Assessment Strategies Committee when I did, similar to, to your experience, you had a need, so you went out to, to look for a way to fill it. And, I, you know, I became engaged uh, with, the, with the group and, and the, the professional development courses, uh, you know, were, were very, very good, very well put together for uh, the, the uh, members. And what we, we came back and did, you know, was when we put together a process like that qualitative exposure assessment process is, is have a training component to that so that we could uh, improve the consistency. You know, we had, you know, 170 um, different plants and I don't know how many countries, you know, the, this, the, the variability and whether you were going to get quality data back or, or not was was pretty high. And I think as we implement, you know, the tools to help us improve our judgment, it's just as important that that we all receive, you know, good training on how to use those tools, whether it's the AHA uh, stat spreadsheet or the, the, the uh, BDA tool from uh, Dr. Paul Hewitt. And, you know, how do you use it? How do you interpret the results you know, we don't we don't get that kind of stuff necessarily in in our degree training. We have you know biostatistics, and you know we generally understand statistics. But you know, what are what are the specific uh, parameters for these different uh, different tools? And the same way with the modeling. So if you know if if we want to uh, you know have our staff improve and start using these tools, I think looking for uh, the the AHA PDCs, the webinars that are available, uh, the the how to uh, you know use these uh, documents that, that are written, you know PDF uh, format are, are all good. Uh, taking that in in house and and running that uh, by your team, running your team through that training and then exercise. You know, we. <laughs> We do a lot. You and I both have a background in, in emergency response, so we understand the importance of you know exercising the plan. And uh, you know, it's it's no different in in professional judgment. I think that you know doing uh, 
a process uh, like was laid out in, in one of the uh, JOEH uh, articles uh, that, that, uh, that Perry Logan uh, was a co-author on that, that they used at, at his company it is very, very good. You know, it's, it's training, exercising, you know, drilling. You, you have a qualitative exposure assessment drill where you, you put a, a video of a process up and then, you, you know, no matter how many people you have in the room, you all evaluate it, you rank it, and then you, you share some data and then you use the tools. You take that data and you put it through the tools, the IH stat spreadsheet or the BDA tool. Just like we do in the PDC, I mean, we're doing hands-on workshop. You know, we right. show them how to use it, and then we talk about what the results mean. So we're, uh, you know, leveraging the skill and, and training of all the IHs on the team to do that, and and you learn from that, and you can learn a lot. If you're a sole IH and you're on your own, you know, the the AHA webinars uh, that cover this material. Uh, you can do it with a group online, uh, and and I think that uh, you know that's a key uh, to uh, training and and uh, educating yourself and improving uh, your own professional judgment, calibrating your yourself. Like I mentioned with the sound level meter. Very good. Um, we've been at it about forty five minutes in in the course of our conversation today, Bill, and I appreciate everything you've done. Um, Two last things that, that I'd want to speak about with you, and, and one would be, um, what do you see as the key improvements that are coming down the pike with respect to improving exposure judgments? Um, and then uh, if you'd close with any of your additional thoughts on what, what someone might do uh, to help get organizational approval for uh, the significant effort that might be necessary in a corporation if you're trying to promote training and exercising, as you just mentioned in your prior answer. Yeah, the, you know, I think what, what you and I have seen, uh, you know, over the, the last 15 years from the only available, you know, statistical package was tens of thousands of dollars, Monte Carlo, Crystal Ball, those kind of things to, you know, tool, tools that uh, AHA, uh, volunteers have put together to make them, you know, simplified into simple Excel spreadsheets to have, you know, a Monte Carlo simulation available, you know, in, in an Excel uh, tool it is a game changer for, for all of us. And I think that the, the team, the volunteers at AHA are continuing to improve those tools, make them uh, more simple to use and and they're so readily available i think that's that's what we are, are are looking forward to and you know things that we can carry with us in in the field uh on a tablet or you know some sort of smart device where we can you know do a quick uh modeling of something while we're standing there looking at it uh, that's what you know i see as you know as the future uh, improvements are going out and doing a workplace exposure assessment. Uh, the other thing that's <clears throat> making leaps and bounds, 
you know, is sensor technology. We're going to have, you know, more available sensors to us. Like that sound level meter that I had, that was simple. I was carrying it. I got, you know, direct results. I was getting direct feedback mm -hmm. on what I thought, uh, you know, my opinion was of how loud this was. And we'll have more availability of that for, you know, particulate matter. We've got, you know, tools uh, that are that are available now, but are you know continuing to be improved on for for like a respiral crystalline silica, uh, you know mini gas and vapors with availability of you know PIDs and and, and other tools. Uh, so that's kind of where I, I really see you know the the, the future um, of improving exposure judgments. Uh, you know the the. The, the work group right now is is uh, doing some great work. I think you know the key is identifying uh, those elements that uh, that, that we don't uh, do good judgments on, and and coming up with ways uh, and and tools to to improve that. Uh, you know, is another thing. So, you know, my my takeaway or parting uh, comment is. You know that group is is out doing some great work. There's going to be, you know, a a, a lot of uh, new uh, products and services that, that will come out of that process that will help uh, current practitioners and up and coming uh, young professionals uh, jumpstart, uh, you know, their uh, ability at professional judgment and the tools that we'll have. Uh, available to to calibrate ourselves, our own judgment in the field by more sensor technology and uh, ease of uh, you know on the fly modeling using uh, you know a tablet or something are, are really going to be uh, phenomenal. Billy, I appreciate it. I I would echo that. I know that Dr. Arnold is working to. Uh, make an improvement to the industrial hygiene exposure scenario tool. And those improvements are probably going to be a logical feed into um, some of the heuristics like the structured deterministic model to do that, as you say, on the fly modeling. So those things are coming. Um, the, the other thing through the improving exposure judgments advisory group that we're pushing, because as you're aware, there's many different project initiatives. One of the big ones is uh, trying to get something collaboratively for the exercises and practice of the use of the tools. If you have a big corporate uh, background, you, you might have the backing of a training organization to help you with doing that. But if you don't, if you're the sole practitioner, you probably would, would like to lean on somebody who really understands this stuff and they could put a video up of a scenario you could have them make an initial judgment. You could ask them, you know, here are some basic inputs to the exposure, go run a model, make another judgment. Here's a couple of samples we took in the last 12 months, make another judgment. Um, we think that that within the community of practice of, of the um, advisory group, we think that's a really critical thing that's coming online. So um, I, I appreciate that you took the time today for these interviews supporting AIHA and uh and hopefully our, our marketing team and and um our host here on the podcast bob is going to be able to make good use of this content as we try to get everybody on board to improve in exposure assessments and their judgments appreciate your time today
Well, you're welcome. Uh, thanks for uh, asking me. I think it's an exciting time for all of us uh, on, on the project. And uh, you know, just like you say, I think some really good things are going to come out of it that's going to help uh, all of us in the IHOEHS profession. So that's our show for this week. We'll be back again with another episode of Healthier Workplaces. Until next time, I'm Bob Krell. Stay healthy. Mm -hmm.